Okay, we are still on the James series. So just turn to chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. 14 to 26. You know, uh, two decades ago, before social media hit, you know, boom, kapag manonood ka ng balita, kapag 6 p.m., di ba manonood ka ng balita 6 p.m., ano yung panonoorin mo? TV Patrol o kaya? Dati hindi pa 24 oras. Ano pa dati? Saksi. Yan. Meron pa dati. Tapos kapag na-miss mo yun, kunyari late ka umuwi, meron kang The World Tonight. <laughs> hindi pa bandila. The World Tonight. Yan. The World Tonight. Naalala nyo pa yung anchor nun? Huwag na. Huwag <laughs> na. Lumalabas yung edad. Pero if you hear a news, if you see a news on the TV, you will believe it, right? Kapag sinabi nila, sinabi sa news that so-and-so happened, you will believe it. You know, nowadays, if you see a news on your Facebook posts, you don't necessarily believe it, right? Sometimes you forward something, and, and then your friend tells you, Bro, sis, hoax yan. Bakit mo pinorward? Some, you know, some of you, uh, forwarded a message from uh, Mark Zuckerberg. I think I received one or two from this church. <laughs> and then we thought it's true. And so you have the advent of fake news. And sometimes you look at you know things happening, you scrutinize it and make sure if it's really, really true. It's quite different now. Pumupunta na siya sa pagkain, right? Meron ng fake rice. Have you heard of that? Sa, sino sa inyo nakabili na ng, ng fake rice? Wala pa. Does, do you know anyone who knows anyone who knows anyone who bought fake rice? But there are videos of how it's being made. No? And there, then there's fake egg. Meron ng fake egg. Have you seen that? There, there are ways na kaya nilang i-fake yung itlog. Paano? How is that even possible to... So, you will see here in the photo, itong itsura ng genuine egg, and this is the, you know, the, what it looks like uh, when you see inside the fake egg. What happens when you eat fake rice coupled with fake egg on your breakfast. It's going to be dangerous. <laughs> What's that? Fake death. Pero <laughs> ito, this is not new. You know, yung fake money, that's not new, right? What happens if you have fake money and you use it on the bank, maybe the store, what happens? Get caught? You, hindi mo pwedeng, hindi mo mabibili yung gusto mong bilhin? There's no value. You have 500 pesos and there's no value to it. There's nothing. This is all over. You know, we have fake rice, fake egg, fake news, fake money, and it's not just you know, it's not just powerless or useless or no value, it's dangerous. If you encounter something that's fake 
and you respond to it, it's dangerous. And that's what we will see in our next passage on our James series. You know, James is trying to help us see the difference between the kind of faith that is alive and growing and active and authentic to the kind of faith that is useless, that is powerless, that has no value, and that is dead. For us to see that, you know, we will look into that at our passage. So again, just open your Bibles to the book of James. The book of James, chapter 2. Finally, we are at chapter 2. And we will look at verse 14 to 26. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read it now because we are going to read it um, as we go along with the sermon. But uh, just keep it there and just follow me, James chapter 2, 14 to 26. And we are going to talk about you know, how do we distinguish a authentic, an authentic faith to what is actually a counterfeit? Let's pause for a second and ask the Lord's help in prayer. Lord, we, we come before you and asking for your help. We really need your help, Lord God, as we tackle one of the passages that causes many people to be confused, to, to worry about their salvation, to, to be concerned about the relationship between faith and works. But I pray, Lord God, that as we listen to you, that you will open our eyes, that you will open our hearts and our ears, that what we will see and that what we will discover and experience, Lord God, is the liberating, liberating assurance of your word. Lord, we acknowledge that our works do not accomplish anything. And so we find our hope in the blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ. And this is where we rest upon as we wrestle in this passage. This is our prayer with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today, I'm going to give you two things. We're going to distinguish what is fake and what is genuine. And what I'm going to mention sometimes may hurt. What I'm going to mention sometimes may pierce what's inside our hearts. But what I'm going to mention also is something that's coming from from the Bible. So let's discover first for us to understand what it looks like to see a genuine, authentic faith. Let's talk about first the evidences of the evidences of a counterfeit. Okay? Anong itsura ng fake? Anong itsura ng inactive, useless faith? Let me share with you two things. First, an evidence of a counterfeit faith is you have the correct proclamation but no love. You have a correct proclamation and no love. Look at this. James says in chapter 2, verse 14, What good is it, my brothers or sisters, anong halaga nito? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and if one, one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, 
without giving them the things needed for the body. Again, James says, what good is that? What good is that? So also, faith by itself, it, it, if it does not have works, is dead. Let me pause and define what works here is. Okay, What James is defining works. Yung works is the external good behavior. Okay? Yung works na sinasabi dito ni James is the external good behavior. It is not your way to salvation. Okay? It is not something you add to yourself so that you will be sure of your salvation. So works here is the external indication of an internal condition. I'll repeat that. Okay? Works here is an external indication of an internal condition. So, evidence lang siya ng nangyayari sa loob. So, ang sabi ni James, ito yung mga sinasabi ninyo, this is what you're saying, but you are not acting on love. Just imagine what James is saying here. Someone in this congregation, for example, someone in this congregation says, I am hungry. I am lacking in something. And then you will say, God bless you, brother. Be filled. Be warm. Go eat something. How does that sound? It sounded like the proclamation is empty because there is no love. Perhaps this is really happening in their congregation that people are really, you know, struggling with food. People are struggling with their, with their finances. People are struggling with their, with their home. And then people are just saying, hey, God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. You know what? The Lord will bless you. What good is that, James says? You know, sometimes for many of us who've been, uh, been a Christian for a long time, we, we pit James and Peter separately. Sometimes they contradict sila. But you know what? James and Peter are saying the same thing here. In 1 Corinthians 13, 1, Paul says, Apostle Paul says, If I speak in the tongues of men, if I'm proclaiming something that is correct, but, but, ano sabi niya? Do not... Have love. I sound like, how do I sound like? Like a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, so I'm proclaiming something from God and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have, I have faith that can move mountain, but again, do not love. I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but again, do not love, I gain nothing. James and Peter are saying the same thing. If we're proclaiming something that's maybe correct, but we are not acting on it on love, it's useless. That faith is useless. It, we gain nothing. What good is it? Yun yung sinasabi niya. You know, recently, 
Uh, I think it was in UP. There was a Pride March, am I correct? There was a Pride March in UP. There was a last week. Tama? Last Saturday. Okay, so um, I just saw in one video, so there was a Pride March, and there, there was this guy uh, near the line. Meron siyang placard sa, sa dibdib niya. Yung placard says, You're going to hell, ask me why. You're going to hell, ask me why. And then he's you know, saying these things to the, to the, the pride march. Uh, lesbians, gays, uh, uh, transgenders. What do you think was the reaction of the people going there? It was really not good. You know, and I'm not going to deal with that further because that's a, you know, a sermon at a, a different time. But this guy, you know, God bless his heart, is just doing the correct proclamation without love. And sometimes, you know, we, we may not be at the, the Pride March protesting. We don't have that placard, but in our heart, that's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. When we see a Pride March, we are saying in our hearts and our minds, you're going to hell. Ask me why. And we're saying that without love. And I really hope, and, and this is our prayer, my prayer for myself, that when we really proclaim something, we proclaim it with love. And it's really difficult. I'll be the first person to tell you it's difficult to love people. It's difficult to How many of you love everybody? <laughs> you can say you love everybody. Okay. Let's be real for a second and say, how many of you, you don't like someone? Ako <laughs> lang. See? And if you don't raise your hand, uh, never mind. <laughs> it's really difficult to love people. It's really difficult. Pastor, what you're telling us is, is difficult. Yes, I agree. But you know what? And this is, I think this is real for, for also for specifically for our congregation. It's even more difficult for children who grew up in a Christian home. It's really difficult for, for children who grew up in a Christian home. You know why? Because your children will say the good things. They will say the right things. They know how to behave. They will do, they know what it looks like to be a Christian. Okay, I'm not saying don't, don't disciple your children, alright? I'm saying it's just really difficult. It's going to be difficult. So, how do we anchor that? How do we, how do we help our children who grew up in a Christian home? How do we develop our love for people and have the correct proclamation my suggestion is that we anchor that on the love of God for us. Romans 5 verse 8 says, anyone of you remember memory verse, Romans 5 verse 8? Taylor, go ahead. All right. So God demonstrated His love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. 
Christ died for us. If we anchor the things that we say or the things that we want to develop in our hearts, we anchor that in that gospel. Remembering and immersing how God loved us when we were yet sinners, when, when we proclaim things that really do not benefit anything, when, when God loves us when we are messed up, even right now, that God loves us to the point that He will send His Son while we are sinners. And as we immerse in that love, as we draw closer to God and discover how He loves us, our prayer is that it will develop into loving others as well. As we draw closer to God, it will draw us closer to the people He loves. So the approach is not this. You will love people because if I love people, God will love me more. That is not the right approach. The approach is, I will immerse myself in the love of God and as, as, as I draw closer to His heartbeat, I will realize that God loves, God loves these people the same way that God loves me, even if I'm a messed up guy. So here's what Jesus says about, about the matter. So we have James, we have Apostle Paul, and then we have Jesus. What did he say? Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Ito yung gagawin niya. Before Him who will, will be gathered all the nations. He will separate people from one another like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right, but on the goats, the goats, <laughs> on the left. Then the king will say to those on the right, so let's say these are the sheep. Sorry, just an illustration. These are the sheep. Sabi niya, come, you who, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Why? For I was hungry, sabi ni Jesus, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. So nagtanong yung mga sheep, Lord, kailan ka namin nakita na hungry? Kailan ka namin nakita na nauuhaw? Kailan ka namin na welcome? Anong sabi ni Jesus? Do you remember this, this story? Jesus says, Whatever you do to the least of my brethren, you do to me. And then he turned to the people on the left, the goats. Anong sabi niya? <laughs> he turned to the goats and said, Sabi ni Jesus, depart from me. <laughs> depart from me. What? And he said the same things. For I was hungry, did not give me food. I was thirsty, did not give me a drink. I was stranger, and you cast me out. I was sick, and you never visited me. I was in prison, and you did not come to me. Again, bakit kailan namin nakitang ganun ka, Lord? Whatever you do to the least of my brethren, you do to me. You may have 
the correct proclamation, you know the, the right things to say, you may say praise the Lord and hallelujah. And if you do not love, brothers and sisters, that is an evidence of a counterfeit faith. In a phrase, this is, this is really about walk the talk. You walk the talk. Second evidence of a counterfeit faith is if you have a correct doctrine but no action. Correct doctrine but no action. Verse 18 says, But someone will say, You have faith, I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. Let's pause at that passage. Try to imagine this text. So James is, is like doing a hypothetical conversation. Meron siyang kausap and he's doing a hypothetical conversation. Person A says, you know, faith and works, they're separated. And James is saying, person B, no, they go together. I will show you. So what we see here is a demonstration. There is a demonstration going on. So let me illustrate what is really the demonstration happening here. Kwevik, pwede pahiram ng dulong upuan. So here's what's happening. So for those who are at the back, I'll, I'll do it here so you can see. Here's what's really happening. So James is saying there's a conversation between two guys. One is saying, you know, I, I have faith uh, that's separated from my work. And James says, you know, faith and works go together. And here's what's happening. Sabi ni James, okay, show me your faith separated from work. And this is what that guy is saying. Okay, this is correct doctrine without action. Okay, this is correct doctrine without action. This is a chair. It looks comfortable. It looks like it's sturdy. Uh, four, four, uh, four legs, solid wood. Uh, yung, yung back is quite long, so if I sit here, you know, kapag medyo boring yung preacher, pwede akong humiga ng konti. Uh, malambot ng konti, so I can, I can sit longer than an hour and a half kapag mahaba yung preacher. So, uh, this is, I think the, the covering is really good. Cushioning is really well. And this is a chair. Showing my faith without works. I am describing the chair and I'm not doing anything. And James says, I will show you my, first, my faith with works. You know what he will do? That's it. You know, SLP, CO, you've seen me you know, use a lot of chairs, but this is new for you. <laughs> you know, correct doctrine will just describe to you what faith is. But correct doctrine with action will do this. Because I know that my faith is rested on a sure foundation. I will just sit on it. I will just describe, I won't just describe it. You know what will happen if we have the correct doctrine without action? 
you'll be standing all your life. You'll be standing all your life. And then sooner or later, you'll get tired. Sooner or later, you, your legs will go. And James will tell you, come on, brother, sit down. But you will say, no, I'm good. I know it can carry me. If you know it can, it can carry you, why don't you sit? You know, I'm sure, I'm sure, I, I believe that the chair can carry me, but I'm fine. I'll show you my faith with my works, James says, and I will sit. So this is what's happening here. You know what? James even says in verse 19, Hey, you believe that God is one? This is from the Old Testament, Shema. Hear, o, o Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord is one. That's good. Sabi niya, compliment yan. Good for you that you know God, that the Lord is God, that the Lord is one. You know what? Even the demons believe what you believe. Whoa. You know, you know, demons are better theologians than I am. They are better theologians than what we produce from our seminaries. No offense. But you know what? Demons will still mess up your life. Sabini James, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, your faith apart from works is useless. Let me balance this out because you, you might feel it's, you know, I'm, I'm pushing too heavily. You know, pursuing correct doctrine is really good. Okay? Let me say that. I actually recommend it that you pursue correct doctrine. In fact, if you want to help reach the new generation, if you want to help your children growing up, you need to understand and develop you know, the ability to, to defend your faith, and that's called apologetics. The generation now, I realize that they're asking tough questions. They're asking tough questions. We need to you know, have that ability to, to answer based on correct doctrine because... You know, if you have that, you will help other people and you will also help yourself to answer real and you know, pursuing questions. But pursuing correct doctrine is not the end goal, brothers and sisters. Pursuing correct doctrine is not the end goal. It should lead us to an action. To rest in the faithfulness of God. Again, here's what Jesus says. John 5, 39. You search the scriptures. You're looking for that correct doctrine because you think that in them you have eternal life. Jesus says, you know what? These things, the scriptures, they testify about me. They testify about me. So bottom line, friends, is if our external behavior is showing a proclamation without love or doctrine without action, our belief 
James says, is useless. Our belief, as James says, has no value, no power. And you know, you know what word he said? The word he used is dead. It's like a goat trying to be a sheep. That's what it looks like. It's like a goat trying to be a sheep. Bucket. You know, the goat will, you know, in his attempt to become a sheep, he will copy the sound, copy the way a sheep sounds. He will copy the movement. He will copy, he will go to the same places, eat the same food, behave a certain way, but on a DNA level, he is still a goat. He is still a goat. You know what this means? A person can speak like a Christian, move like a Christian, go to the church every Sunday, and be really on a DNA level, not a Christian. I'm sorry, I have to say this as your pastor. I have to say this. You know, transformation like this is happening from the outside in. That's why it's not working. It will work if the transformation is happening from the inside out. Jesus says, Matthew 7, 21, not everyone. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven... On that day, on that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Those are good works. And then I will declare them, Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What a... What a difficult thing to say. Pastor, this is really not comforting. (laughs) I went to this church thinking that I will be comforted by the message, and I'm not really comforted. Hang in there, okay? Hang in there. You know, I'm digging into the bad news. I I really want you to focus. We're digging into the bad news so we can appreciate the good news further. And good news is coming, don't worry. So we talked about two things, two evidences of a faith that is not alive, that is useless, powerless, dead. Let's talk about, you know, this is what we want. This is what we want, right? Evidences of authentic faith. Ano yun? And for that, James brings us to the Old Testament and points us to two characters. Yung two characters, sino? As you look into the passage, sino? You're seeing two characters? Hindi ako magtuturo. <laughs> Abraham and Rahab. Abraham and Rahab. Two different characters. Magkaiba sila. 
Okay, question, question before we go there. Pastor, if salvation is by faith in Jesus alone, what about those people who lived before Jesus? May narinig na kayo nagtanong ng ganun? Or maybe that, that's your question? Pastor, if, if salvation is by faith in Jesus alone, what about those who lived before Jesus? I answer it in two ways. Number one, yes, Jesus physically entered the world at a certain point of history. Yes, you will see that even in historical books. But you need to remember that Jesus is a member of the Trinity. And that means he has been there at the creation of the world. That means he is before Moses, Abraham, Joshua, and all those people. He has been present. Okay. Number two, on this side of the story, on this side of history, tayo, we are saved by what Jesus did thousands of years ago. Okay? We are saved by what Jesus did thousands of years ago. For Abraham, Moses, Isaac, Jacob, even Rahab, they are saved by what Jesus will do thousands of years after them. Okay? So, ibig sabihin nun, tayo, our faith is to look back on what Jesus did. Sila, their faith, is to look forward on what God will do through Jesus Christ. So, us, again, we are looking back. They are looking forward to what Jesus will do. Does that answer the question? Okay, so bonus yun. <laughs> bonus yun if someone asks you. Alright, so let's go to the evidences of authentic faith. Number one is a complete obedience to the Lord. Verse 21 says, Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God? He is justified by God, by his actions, when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see, faith and his action work together. His actions made his faith complete. So it happened just as the scripture say, says, Abraham believed God, that's really important, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do. It's an evidence not by faith, that is alone. So that's the correct um, translation there. We are saved by faith alone, but not by faith that is alone. Okay? So it's a complete obedience to the Lord is what Abraham is doing here. So yung action niya, his action is an indication of what he believed in. And the reason why Abraham followed God, even if the command was very difficult, it's because he, ha- he believed that God will be faithful to His promise. How many of you here are, are dads? Raise your hand. If you're a dad, okay. How many of you are moms? Moms? Okay. We need to see this story 
sometimes kasi nalalagay natin si Abraham in a, on a pedestal. But we need to see and realize that Abraham is just like you and me. He's a father with a son. And so we need to appreciate the story by looking at Abraham just like you and me. He's a husband. He's a father. He's not perfect. He's not perfect. He made mistakes. He even tried to sell his wife at one point or tried to escape, you know, dangerous situation by telling that his wife is his sister. Let's go back to that story in Genesis 22. Ito yung, ito yung sinasabi ni James dito na, na, na story. Genesis 22.1 After these things, God t- tested Abraham and, and said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, Here I am. God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. Picture this situation for a second if you're a father, if you're a mother. The father is bounding, tinatali niya yung kanyang anak. The father is going to sacrifice his own son, his beloved son, his only son, the promised son from God. And he's doing it anyway. You know, what was essential with this move is that Abraham is valuing God more than anything else that he values in his life. If you're going to ask Abraham today what is the most important thing in his life, he will tell you it's Isaac. He will tell you it's Isaac. But when God commanded him, offer up your son, his faith says, I value you more than the most valuable thing in my life. And this is why this is a powerful evidence of a faith that is genuine, alive, and active. When we value God more than anything else we value in our life. Do you want to find out what you value the most in your life? Do you want to find out what, what you really value the most in your life? Take something away. Take something away. If you become angry hopeless or fearful, that is the most valuable thing in your life. For example, if I am exercising every day, running 20K, doing a marathon, Ironman and everything like that, and I was diagnosed with cancer, as young as I am, 21 years old, fake news. Okay, 22. You know, if I, if I become angry because God has taken away 
my health, and I've become, if I become fearful, if I become hopeless because God has taken away my health, the most valuable thing in my life is my health. Take, some, take something away in your life, and if you react with anger, hopelessness, or fear, that is what's valuable. That's what you value the most in your life. And complete obedience to the Lord says, Lord, I value you more than the most valuable thing in my life. And that's what Abraham did. What is the most valuable thing in your life, brothers and sisters? Is it health? Is it your possession? Is it your family? If the Lord takes that away, how will you react? You know, those three things was taken away from Job. And you know what he said? The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. May the name of the Lord be praised. That's an evidence of genuine faith. You know, I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying that you love your family less. I'm not saying you don't take care of your health. I am not saying you don't pursue, you know, taking care of your family with your job and your business. I'm just saying you value God more than those things. And that's complete obedience to the Lord. And because of what Abraham did, he was inducted in the Heroes Hall of Fame. Heroes of Faith Hall of Fame. And we see that, you know, this is called Hall of Fame of uh, heroes of faith in Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. He went out not knowing, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in a land of promise. As, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, Bakit? Because he's looking forward to the city that has foundations where the architect, the designer, the builder is God himself. His faith is looking forward to what God will provide for him. Not only that, in 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Think of how difficult it would be for a father, for the dads here, to do this to your only begotten son, to your only beloved son, to bound your son and offer it up to the Lord. Think about that picture And think about the fact that God did this. That God the Father would sacrifice His only begotten Son. That God the Father would allow His Son to be bound on the cross so that through Him, all nations will be blessed. You know, even in the story of Abraham, it points to what Jesus has done on the cross. Even here in the Old Testament, we are seeing what Jesus will do 
what God the Father will do to His Son so that through Him, you and me and all the nations will be blessed. And even in this story, in, in, in the story of Abraham's faith, we are actually seeing of how this story is pointing us to the Savior. And this is our second point. This is our second evidence of an authentic faith. It's not only just a complete obedience to the Lord, it's complete trust in the Savior. So verse 25, tapos na tayo kay Abraham. This time we are introduced with another character. And that character is called Rahab the Woe. Rahab the prostitute. Verse 25 says, Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her action. Ano ba yung action niya? Ano ba yung action niya? Was it big? His action was this. She hid those messengers, the spies from Joshua, and sent them safely away by a different road. You know, the same way we looked at the story of Abraham in, in the eyes of human beings, we need to look at Rahab the same way. Nobody, listen to this, nobody plans to be a prostitute, right? No girl will say, Mommy, I want to be a prostitute in the future. Nobody dreams of that. Just imagine what Rahab is going through. She is considered a commodity for temporary pleasure of people. She's living a miserable life. She's taking care of her family. And so we need to see Rahab like that. We We don't have to put her on a pedestal the same way we put Abraham on a pedestal. This is, this is that account in Joshua. Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. So Joshua, son of Nun, meron siyang pinadala secretly from Shittim as spies. Anong, anong uh, instruction niya? Go view the land, especially Jericho. Why Jericho? Because Jericho is a good land. And Jericho is in the promised land. And so they went and came into a house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and dun sila natulog. And it was told to the king of Jericho, there are men of Israel trying to search out the land. So the king of Jericho went, sent to Rahab saying, ilabas mo yung mga tao na yan. Bring out the men who have came to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out the land. Anong ginawa ni Rahab? Anong ginawa niya? Tinago niya yung spies. Tinago niya yung spies. What if she was caught? Ito yung interaction there. In verse 8, Before the men laid down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know. That's the evidence of you know faith there. I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. Verse 11 says, As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted 
And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. Ito yung proclamation niya. For the Lord your God, He is God. He is the God of in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Yung what he believes about God and he's pro, she's proclaiming what she believes in and she will act on it. And as we see here, ano yung sabi niya dun sa mga spies? Now then, please swear to me that as I have dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother and brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. Her statement and her action shows what she believes in and she acted on what she believed in. And what was the result? She was spared. She was spared and her family as well. Question. Pastor, if I look at the passage, I think what Rahab did is just a strategic move. What do you think? Was it simply a strategic move? You know, if you're, if you're looking at this story in a movie, you will say, si Rahab, medyo ma-utak ma to, no? <laughs> Alam niya kasi ma- masisira na yung Jericho, eh, kaya nag-shift na siya ng loyalty. Was it just shifting loyalty? Was it just a strategic move? Or her move was motivated by fear? Kasi masisira na yung Jericho eh. And sinabi niya, everybody is afraid. Baka yung ginawa niya is an act of fear. Let me ask you this to answer that. If Jericho was destroyed, keep in mind what, you know, what we describe Rahab's life is, if Jericho is destroyed, where will she go? Where will she go? If as a prostitute, ayun ang kanyang buhay, what kind of work will she have after Jericho is destroyed? Will she have a husband? If she goes to Israel, Will God's people welcome her and her family? What kind of life will she have there? What do you think? Do you see any answer in our passage? Nothing. And so, yung questions ni Rahab is a question of security. And yet, despite these questions are unanswered, Hindi naman nasagot yung mga questions niya. She chose to trust God. You know, her action says, you know, the God of the heavens and the earth, I find my security in you. I don't know if I'm going to have a job when this happens. I don't know if I will be welcome in this community. I don't know what will happen to me. I don't know where will I go. But God of the heavens and the earth, I find my security in you. I put my trust in you. You know, the further result of that, her family was spared from the destruction of Jericho, but the further result of that, 
Rahab was also inducted in the Heroes of Faith Hall of Fame, just like Abraham. He's considered a hero of faith. Just like Abraham, you will see Rahab's name in the lineage of Jesus. Go to Matthew chapter 1. You will see Rahab's name there in the lineage of Jesus. Just like Abraham, this woman who's a prostitute who just did is to hide the spies because her action is an evidence of a faith that is trusting in the Savior. In a way, we have some security questions too, right? Meron din tayong questions about our sense of security. What will my family eat? What job will I take? Will I go abroad to take care of my family? What, happen, what will happen to my family if I die? What kind of course or job will I take when I graduate? You know, we have these questions that talk about our sense of security. You know, complete trust in the Savior means essentially putting our sense of security in God. Which is why this is a powerful evidence of a faith that is alive and active. Brothers and sisters, where does your sense of security lie? Where does your sense of security lie? If your sense of security lies on your ability to produce wealth, then wealth is your savior. I love you guys, but I need to say that. If your sense of security lies in your ability to take care of your body, then health is your savior. But you know what? Those, those little saviors are fleeting. Only God can give us assurance of a sure security and sure salvation. So, you know, the bottom line here, we looked at Abraham and Rahab. What their story is showing us is that, you know, faith that is alive and active is the one that moves to trust and to obey God, to make Him both Savior and Lord. You know, there's this band, uh, Jars of Clay. Meron silang line in one of the songs, sometimes it's easy to call you Savior, not close enough to call you God. If we are showing an evidence of authentic faith, it means that we are both trusting and obeying the Lord and calling Him both Lord and Savior. Let me summarize in one slide what we're talking about here. We talked about the counterfeit faith and yung authentic faith. Yung counterfeit faith is a correct proclamation. You're saying the right things, but without love. It's saying, it's understanding correct doctrine, but you are not acting on it. Authentic faith is about, you know, complete obedience to the Lord and complete trust in the Savior. But pastor, I think I'm a Christian naman. 
Alam mo naman yun eh. Nagtatites naman ako. I know that I'm a Christian. But I have difficulty to completely obey God and trust Him. Does that mean I'm really not Christian? You know my answer to that? If you know that you are Christian, you have that genuine faith and there's assurance in your heart that you really are Christian, perhaps you really are one. Okay? Perhaps you really are one and you're just struggling to completely trust and to completely obey the Lord. What you need is a reminder of the gospel. What you need is a reminder that He is enough. What you need is a reminder that He is infinitely better. Yes, you are Christian, but we keep forgetting the good news of Jesus Christ. What you need is a reminder that He is more than enough for you and your family. And as you immerse yourself in the gospel, as you immerse yourself in the love of Christ, it will draw you to obey Him more. It will draw you to, com- to trust Him more. One, one preacher that I enjoy listening now, he says, you know, we're not looking for perfection. We are aiming for progress. It's progress, not perfection. I'm not asking you, brothers and sisters, to have a 100% obedience immediately. I'm asking you to put that, whatever you have, in the hands of the Lord. And as you immerse yourself in the goodness of God, it will draw you to obey Him. It will draw you to trust Him more and more. So, let me say this, because this is really very important. You know, when we hear a sermon like this, it's really difficult to, to grasp it really well because our legalistic nature is rising up and our reaction is to say, Gosh, grabe yung sinabi ni Pastor. Mukhang kailangan kong mag-volunteer na sa church. Grabe yung sinabi ni Pastor. Baka kailangan kong um- magpa-membership class na just to be sure. Grabe. Mukhang kulang pa yung pagtaas ko ng kamay. Next, next Sunday, dalawa na. You know what? You're not alone. You know, in our hearts, that's what we are longing. Yung, yung desire to do, to do more, to be found enough. But let me tell you this, and I want you to listen to this very carefully. Your works will not save you. Your works will not add to your salvation. Your works will not merit anything to your salvation. There is only one kind of work that has value in the eyes of God. And that is the work of Christ. That is the complete work of Christ. You know what the good news is? That complete work of Christ His obedience, His righteousness, what He has done to please the Father is credited to you. That's what we see in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, Apostle Paul says, for our sake, 
Jesus was made to be sin. He knew no sin. So that in Jesus, you and me, we might become the righteousness of God. You know, Martin Luther calls this the great exchange. There is a great exchange. Yes, with any of your work cannot merit any salvation, but the complete work of Christ completely pleases God in every way, and His approval is credited to you and me. How good is that? How awesome is that? Because of His work, you are called righteous. Because of His work, you are loved. And because of His ongoing work in you, you are saved, you are sanctified, you are secured. All you need to do, brothers and sisters, is to sit and to put your faith in Him. Pastor, that's all good and, and really nice. But how do I do that? You know, our, that's our nature. Ano ba? Bigyan mo na kami ng listahan ng gagawin. What do we need to do? And I think this is a real question for us. How can we be assured of having authentic faith? You know, it's really our nature to ask, what do I need to do? Ano bang kailangan kong gawin? Do I need to bring out a list? Do I need to, you know, to, to volunteer more, to give more to charity and things like that? You know, in the Gospel of John, there's one guy, I think he is, he's wired the same way and he's struggling with the same question. His name is Nicodemus. His name is Nicodemus. This is the story. John chapter 3, verse 1, there was a man named Nicodemus. Itong description sa kanya, he's a religious leader and he's a Pharisee. You know, ang Pharisees, they are, they are wired to bring out a list. They are wired to bring out a list and do the things for me, to make them righteous. After dark one evening, so gabi pumunta, he came to speak with Jesus and said, Rabbi, we all know, Yan, we all know, we believe that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Yes, nagsa small talk si Nicodemus. But Jesus goes directly to the point. I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You know, in our minds, just like Nicodemus, we are looking for ways what we can do. But Jesus is saying, you must be. Instead of saying, what must I do? Jesus is saying, you must be. What does that mean? It's not what you can do. It's what's going to happen to you. Because being born again is not joining a religious group. Being born again is not attending church. Being born again is not giving all your possessions. Being born again 
is a DNA exchange. It's a DNA transition. It's turning the goat into a sheep. It's turning a rebel into a friend of God. It's turning a dead person into someone who is alive. But you know what? I cannot turn you into a sheep. Any pastor, no pastor can turn you from goat to a sheep. No church can bring you from being spiritually dead to becoming alive. We cannot do that. If there's a church that will claim that, leave. Because we cannot do that. You know what? The only, the only thing that can do that is the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus says in John chapter 3. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it. It's physically impossible. But in the Holy Spirit's hands, it can happen. And it can happen today. It can happen to you. It can happen to me. Let me end with this. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone, whether you're young, you're old, you have a messed up life in the past, you're a leader of the church now, or you're, you're a volunteer of a church, or you're not sure what's happening in your life, anyone is in Christ. He has a new DNA. He is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Let me ask you to do this one real quick. Therefore, put your name there. If Abbot is in Christ, he is a sheep. Behold, the goat is gone. The sheep has come. Put your name there. That's the truth of the gospel. If you are in Christ, you have genuine faith. Let us pray. Lord, we, we come before you with both humility and confidence. Knowing that your word gives us hope, but at the same time pierces our hearts. So I ask, Lord God, for those who are wrestling with this issue, whether they have genuine faith, I pray, Lord, that as we have wrestled with this passage today, that will be resolved in their hearts. That being born again is possible today because of Holy Spirit. Lord, for those who are struggling to completely obey and trust you, they are sure they are Christians, but they are just having difficulty with the realities of life. I pray that you will continue to remind them of the gospel. That you are infinitely better. That you are infinitely good. That you are more than enough. And as we 
immerse ourselves with your good news and your love, it will draw us to obey you. Obey you even if it's difficult. It will draw us to trust you. To trust you even if it's there are things unanswered in our lives. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling to figure out whether they Christian they are Christian or not. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will do what your word says that will give them a new heart even today and will give them an assurance that only by your work, only by your blood, that we are saved. I pray, Lord Jesus, for those who are genuinely following you, that we will proclaim what we believe in with love, that we will pursue the correct doctrine, but we will not end there. It will cause us to move, to love people, to put our faith in you, to be established in our faith and to help those who are really struggling with that and encourage them, Lord God, with your word. Lord, I pray that as we trust in you as our Savior and obey you as our Lord, you will show us, Lord God, that our faith is a saving faith. Thank you, Lord Jesus, because we are not rejoicing in our own works. We are not rejoicing in our own righteousness. We are just resting and we are just putting our hope in your righteousness. We are resting in our joy is just dependent on your goodness and your love. And so we declare this, Lord God, with, with confidence and boldness because we are not bringing this. We are not just saying all these things, Lord, because we have the ability to hold on to you. We are praising you because our salvation is not dependent on our ability to hold on to you, but it's dependent on your ability to hold us together. And that's what we are declaring this afternoon, that you are holding us together as individuals, as family, as congregation. To yours be the glory and honor and praise. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.